Uh, my name is Alan. If you don't know me, I'm the executive pastor here at River City Church, and I have the opportunity to kind of kick off uh, a new teaching series uh, uh, this week, today. Uh, Antley's going to be back, uh, I think, sometime in the next day or so. Uh, they were up vacationing in North Carolina. Uh, Gloria and I, uh, we just got back from uh, three weeks of vacation uh, up in the great white north. Uh, we just spent a little time in Seattle, Vancouver, Victoria, but most of our time was up in the Yukon, uh, a little quick uh, trip into Alaska, and uh, we just had a blast. As most of you know, we celebrated 30 years of marriage back in May, and yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, this was just a way to kind of uh, celebrate that and kind of go back to the motherland, go back to our roots. Uh, here's one pic from our trip. Uh, that's Gloria uh, on a kayak there with uh, Leah. And uh, yeah, just look at that water. Uh, I did not edit this picture in any way. This is the real deal. This is Emerald Lake, uh, just outside of Whitehorse. Uh, just a beautiful time up there. Uh, here's another pic. Uh, that's kind of a, a view of Emerald Lake as well. For those of you who've been in Florida for most of your life and haven't had a chance to travel outside of Florida, uh, in the horizon, in the background, that's what we call mountains. Those are mountains back there. Now, I know some of you go up to North Carolina to see mountains. Those are not mountains. Those are hills. These, these, these are mountains. Uh, actually, in that neck of the woods, uh, the, out of the top ten highest mountains in North America, nine of them are in that neck of the woods. And so it's a beautiful spot, beautiful area. Uh, I know some of you kind of traveled with us virtually through Facebook and uh, had a lot of comments. Uh, so if you want to go up there, uh, we can hook you up. We got connections up there, so uh, just talk to uh, uh, yeah, talk to me, and uh, maybe we'll do a church family camp up there. What do you think? Yeah. Sound good? All right. Well, uh, enough of that. We're glad to be uh, black uh, back in flat, humid Florida. It's always exciting to come back to that. Uh, I need the mountains every once in a while. I just need to get out there and uh, just soak it in. So. Uh, as I said, we're starting a brand new series uh, today, and we're titling the series Greater Than These, uh, Participating in the Mission of Jesus Christ. Uh, we have three values, or pardon me, we have four values uh, as a church, four key values that uh, drive and galvanize and uh, motivate and move us as a church. And one of those values is precisely that, participating in the kingdom mission of Jesus and uh, there are a few verses that kind of are the, the lead uh, verses that will lead us through this journey as we walk through this series that will probably take us right through uh, into the fall. Uh, we're going to be starting off the life course and the weekend away, September and October. And so this series will kind of complement that. It will also complement, and let me encourage you, you heard on the announcements that starting this Wednesday night, RCCU, uh, Living Like Jesus, The Life of Jesus, it's going to be a great a training, hands-on, equipping time, Wednesday nights for three weeks here at, at RCC, and it's going to be a, you're going to love it. It's going to be off the charts, and it's going to kind of get into things that we're talking about on Sunday morning, but going into more detail, uh, having more kind of practice time, and having some more discussion and conversation. So I encourage you that over the next three weeks, Wednesday nights, RCCU, uh, The Life of Jesus here at RCC, encourage you to do that. So the three passages that are going to kind of guide us in, in this uh, series, and they're going to be many. We're going to kind of dive into the Gospels and spend a lot of time in the Gospels, in the life and ministry of Jesus. Uh, but there's this key one and two kind of supporting ones. The first one is this uh, from John 14, 12. 
And it says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, uh, whoever believes in me, Jesus that is, will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Now, some of us you know, have a hard enough time grasping the reality and the truth that we're going to do the same works as Jesus, let alone do greater works than Jesus. So that's what this series is about. It's kind of entering into what are these greater works of Jesus, and we've been called to exhibit those greater works. Now, some of you, and we're going to, as I said, unpack this as we move forward, but a lot of people think, well, this just, just simply means that Jesus is talking about kind of greater in number, like because we're now the church today and we've got more believers that we can now uh, do more miracles kind of in a quantitative sense. That has absolutely nothing to do with this passage because the word greater here is not a quantitative word. It's a qualitative word. Every time that it's used, it's a qualitative word. So actually, the quality of works that we are going to do or call to do is actually greater than Jesus. Now, what's up with that? Well, hang on, we'll get there eventually. So the other two passages are these, John 20, 21, and then Acts 1, 1. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So here in this passage, it may be uh, fairly simple, we may miss it, but just as Jesus was sent, And the as word here is instrumental in that just as Jesus was sent, as he was sent to heal people, as he was sent to minister to the poor, as he was sent to bring freedom to those in bondage, all of those activities, all of those works, just as he was sent, you and me as followers of Christ have been sent in the same way. That's pretty powerful. The other passage, Acts 1, 1, and this is Luke writing, he says, in the first book, book, In the first book, what was that? Book. In the first book, uh, (laughs) O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That's the Gospel of Luke. So by implication, the book of Acts and what the church is doing in the books of Acts is actually Jesus continuing his ministry. So we have these two key dynamics at play here. One is imitation. That is what Jesus did, we are to do. But Jesus also continues his work, and we participate in that. So the big idea is that as we participate in the ministry of Jesus, we imitate the ministry of Jesus. Or if you want to look at it the other way, as we imitate the ministry of Jesus, we participate in the ministry of Jesus. And so over the next few weeks, couple of months, we're going to unpack what does that mean for us as a body of believers to imitate the works of Jesus, as incredible as that may sound, but that as we do that, we actually participate in the mission of Jesus because it's Jesus leading his mission. He's doing the work, and he is the one that is leading us as the body of Christ. So that's what it's going to be all about. And I want to touch base on a couple of things in Luke just to kind of set the stage and get the ball rolling. But before we do that, let me have a quick word of prayer and uh, we will get to it. Sound like a plan? Really? Okay. Sound like a plan? All right, let's do it. Father, we just thank you for uh, today. Uh, just a great time of worship, a great time of praise, uh, just a great time of connecting as a community of believers. And Father, as we uh, kick off this series, uh, we want to encounter you. 
Right? We want to continue to experience you through your word. Uh, we pray that no one would leave this place not having been uh, awakened by your love, stirred by your spirit, uh, touched in a profound way, that we would leave this place this morning different than when we came in because we've encountered you. We've encountered your presence. We've encountered your power. We've encountered your word. So, Father, uh, speak and have your way in Jesus' name. What I'd like to do is to bring us to uh, the Gospel of Luke. Gospel of Luke, uh, two chapters. Look at chapter 4 and chapter 5. If there was a summary statement that, that captures the mission of Jesus, and there are many, but this would probably top the charts. And this is the one found in Luke chapter 4, uh, verses 18 to 19. And this is Jesus reading these words in the temple, quoting the book of Isaiah. But he's essentially uh, describing his mission, his venture, or in the French, raison d'etre, his reason for existence, which is ultimately our reason for existence. These are his words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. So here we have a picture of people who are described as being in bondage with poverty, with addiction, with oppression, with blindness, physically, spiritually, emotionally, and Jesus comes and he wants to set people free and heal people free. And I love this phrase, and we may not get the punch of it, the power of it, uh, is that he has come to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, or as other translations say, the year of jubilee. And, and this, this is powerful because this is what it means, is that I have come, the kingdom of God has come, I've showed up, which again is part of our mission, part of our role, part of our responsibility to replicate, to duplicate, to reproduce in the power of the Spirit, that whatever, and this is Jesus coming onto the scene, and he says, whatever debt you have, whatever burden you have, whatever weight is upon you, I have come to set you free from that completely and totally. Every 50 years, the people of Israel would have that experience where all their debts. So can you imagine today, in this room, in this moment, the appropriate government officials, the financial officials and authorities, uh, and everyone that you have some form of debt to, just came into this room and said, it's all forgiven. No more house mortgage. Bonus. No more student loans. Bonus. Anything that you owe to anybody, wiped clean. We all have a brand spanking new page, clear, clisp. Crisp to begin with. Now, would that not be pretty powerful? Well, that's exactly what Jesus has done. He has come and he says, it's wiped clean. And I want to wipe you clean and restore you and heal you. That is our role and that is our responsibility to continue that ministry and to replicate that ministry. So I kind of want to shift gears and, and carry on into Luke chapter 5 because there's a, a dynamic there that Jesus introduces and that is this idea of following Jesus and, and fishing. And what is it about fishing that describes the mission of Jesus 
that informs and helps us to understand our mission to reproduce the ministry of Jesus. So let me read uh, these verses from Luke chapter 5, verses 4 to 11. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, and here Jesus was just, he was teaching on the shore. He says, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. Always a good idea to listen to Jesus, especially when you think you're a pro at something or an expert at something, and you try and you try and you try and you try and you get no results whatsoever. And Jesus kind of comes in and says, why don't you give this a try? Always a good idea to listen. I think he knows what he's talking about. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Uh, let me pause here for a moment. A lot of us, because we continue to live uh, under the shame and the guilt and the debts that have been forgiven, but we, we have, I don't know, something about us being human that we just continue to perpetuate in that, and we, we feel this sense of unworthiness, and we also feel like Peter here, you know, depart from me, Jesus. I'm, I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I'm a sinful person. Oh, Lord. But the text carries on. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish, they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Jesus said to Simon, Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. You will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. So what is it about fishing that Jesus wanted to highlight uh, awaken in us that would somehow stir us up and move us and catalyze us to follow him and to be people that share in his mission. Uh, I don't enjoy fishing. I just don't. Okay? I just don't enjoy fishing. I don't connect with fishing. Some of you may be that way. I know there are a lot of fishermen here in this room. I love you. You're great people. Okay? This is no uh, dish on you. The last time I fished was in the late 90s, okay? And uh, we were involved up in Canada, planted a church, pastoring, and one of the church members came up to me and he said, Alan, I want to take you fishing. I've got a boat, and we're going to go out, and we're going to go catch some fish. I said, okay, why not? You know, I'm going to be the kind pastor, connect with this guy. It'll be a great bonding time. He says, I'll pick you up in a couple of days. We set the day, pick you up at 4.30 in the morning. I don't think any human being was created by God to wake up at 4.30 in the morning, but I thought I would do it anyways. Uh, that was my cross to carry that moment that day, that season of my life. And so uh, he arrives, comes in his pickup truck, and I, I'm, I anticipated, because I'm not much of a fisherman and there's no experience really, I'm thinking he's going to come with a big trailer and his boat, because he said he'd come with his boat. Uh, so I get outside, walk into his pickup truck, and uh, there's no boat. So I'm going, okay, I... I Keep that to myself. So off we drive, have a great conversation, and finally we get to this place. And I'm imagining he's going to take me out in the Pacific Ocean. We were up in Vancouver Island, one of the greatest fishing places on the planet. And so I thought he was going to take me out. We're going to be catching, you know, you know, 
Pacific king salmon, uh, something like that. And so I thought, oh, maybe we're going to go to the dock. You know, maybe his boat is docked somewhere, and that's where we're going. And so uh, we arrive at this uh, park, and I said, oh, that's kind of weird. And then we drive up into this uh, area, and we, we, we park literally on the beach at this lake. And I'm going, I see no boat. I see no boat. And I say, uh, where's the boat, dude? And he says, it's in the back. I said, there's no boat in the back. He says, yeah, there's a boat in the back. Look. So look back there, and there's this like Walmart inflatable uh, dinghy that's deflated, and it's at the bottom of his uh, back of his pickup truck. So he takes that out and pumps that up. I mean, it wasn't any bigger than these two squares up here on the stage. And we literally, I said, I'm not fishing in this thing. He says, yes, you are. I said, okay. And so really what it was was uh, we got out there in this little dinghy. I'm sitting with my legs straight like this and up this way, and his legs are this way, sitting straight up this way. And I've got my fishing rod, and he's got his fishing rod, and that was my fishing experience. It was not fun. It was not exciting. We caught one little fish. There was no king salmon whatsoever. It was this little thing like this, and he said, we're going to cook this. He caught it. I mean, we spent a couple of hours on the lake. It was the most boring. I mean, it was great connecting with him, but I was uncomfortable. It just it wasn't great uh, at all. So I've got this image here. Uh, we ended up cutting the fish up on, on the shoreline, and I got really uh, kind of sick. And I said, no, I don't want to eat that fish. We were going to eat it for breakfast. So we went back to his place. He ate it, and I had porridge. And so that was, uh, that was it uh, for us. But when you think of fishing and connecting it to, you know, Outreach and evangelism. I mean, fishing uh, by nature as a trade is you go out and you get a fish, you kill the fish, you cut it up, and you eat it. What does that have to do with reaching people for Christ? What is it? Well, I think we, what we do is we project a modern-day understanding of fishing onto that, which we shouldn't which gives us a false understanding of what Jesus is trying to communicate here when he says that by following me, you will be fishing. As you participate with me, as you build a relationship with me, as you follow the path that I have for you, you will be fishing for people. And so what's, what's going on here? Well, let me say a few things about this, and then we'll, uh, we'll wrap it up. Uh, first of all, when we think of fishing in that day and age, it had... In this case and in this context, it has nothing to do with fishing with a pole, fishing with bait. Uh, I don't know, in you know, 30 plus years of ministry, I don't know how many messages I have heard by people who come up and they've got their fishing gear on and they have their fishing rod and they've got the, the fishing flies and all the different kinds of flies and the different kinds of baits. And they're trying to make analogies to you know, the bait and how we reach people for Christ, the kind of line that we have reaching certain kinds of people for Christ. I mean, all these kinds of analogies, which may be entertaining, which may be helpful in some ways, but it has absolutely nothing to do with fishing in Jesus' mind here. Because Jesus, it's nothing but the net. It's nothing but the net. And there's something important here that we need to capture, that as we go into this series about the mission of Jesus and us participating in that mission, it's this. That when fishermen got ready to fish, and when you looked at their industry of fishing in its totality, the majority of their time was not spent on the water fishing for fish primarily. It was spent preparing, mending fixing the nets where they were broken, where they were torn, where they were messed up. 
the majority of their time was spent on nets. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to communicate here as it relates to us reaching people. And the second thing is this, is that we, we, the people of God, are the nets. And we are a people, a collective group of people here as a church, as RCC, of broken people that still need mending, that still need restoring, that still need healing. That will never stop in our own lives. But what we need to be aware of as a church is that we need to be all the more intentional in recognizing that as we experience God's love, as we become more secure in our identity in Christ, as we're prayed for here on Sunday mornings, uh, in our city groups, in prayer ministry uh, opportunities, all of that, we need to continue to emphasize that. But what it is, it's Jesus mending and fixing us in order for what purpose? To go into the world and immerse ourselves in deep waters, into the lives of people, so that we could bring them as a relational community that demonstrates to the world that, yeah, we're still being restored, we're still being healed, but as we're being healed and restored, we know that a fishing net is not meant for decoration on a church wall. We know that the fishing net is not meant for decoration on the side of a boat. The net is to go where? It's to go into the water. It's to immerse itself, as Jesus says here, in deep waters. Get into people's lives. Get down and dirty in the lives of people. Meet them where they are at. And as we look at the rest of Luke chapter 5, we see him giving stories and analogies of unpacking that. We see Jesus healing a paralytic and forgiving him. We see Jesus touching a leper and healing him. We see Jesus hanging out with a tax collector called Levi and hanging out with other tax collectors and sinners and eating with them, which really irked the religious elite at that time. And so what Jesus is calling us is to be that fishing net in relationships, in community, Evangelism, outreach, whatever you want to call it, is not primarily a solo event. It's a relational event. It's a community event. And it's where we as a church, as we experience the love of God, as we encounter the love of God, as we embody the love of God, we need to express that love out into the world. And some of us, we don't like going out into the world because it's a scary place. It's dirty. It's not fun to get into the mess of people's lives. It just ain't. But as we look at the ministry of Jesus, he was willing to touch a leper. He was willing to forgive a paralytic. He was willing to hang out with Levi and his company and so many other things. And that's what we're going to journey through in the weeks ahead. But we got to realize that just talking about nets is not necessarily going to do it. We got to be the nets and we got to go out. And we are so appreciative of the nets that have been going out. I mean, every Saturday morning, we got a net that goes out with a group of people ministering to people in Lackawanna. Way to go. We had a net that went out to Puerto Rico for a week and did some great work there. 
But there are so many more opportunities, and we believe that in the days ahead, God is calling us to, to lead this church, to lead a movement that is netting ourselves in deep waters and coming into contact with the dirt of humanity, but seeing that restored and healed. Does that sound like a plan? I want to close with this because this is important to me. Uh, as many of you know, uh, and I'm going to wrap up on this, and we're just going to open it up for some time of, of prayer and, and, and ministry, is that, uh, and I shared with this probably about a year ago, uh, that for many years, and even to this day, I mean, it's managed, it's, it's under control, but I, I still have uh, issues that I need to face and struggle, and it's one of those things, you know, God, are you ever going to heal me of this completely and totally? But some of you know that I've struggled with OCD, and that's not obsessive coffee disorder, uh, though I struggle with that too. It's obsessive-compulsive disorder. It's a form of anxiety. And uh, it started in my early 20s, and I've experienced a lot of healing, uh, prayer, Prozac, uh, time with people. Uh, I mean, you name it all, counselors, the best psychiatrists in Western Canada. I mean, you name it. you know, Bob Jones, uh, Paul Kane, I mean, all, you know, Kansas City prophets. I mean, I had everybody praying for me uh, and just and continue to do that. But as a part of that, for those of you who know and struggle with, with OCD, one of the things is that you just don't like to get dirty. You know, excessive washing of hands, uh, just there's, there's certain things that you just kind of avoid. And when you, you see them, you obsess about them, and the compulsion is to do something to avoid and to overcome that stress. And so... Uh, but there was one time that God, in, in, in my season of healing, that God really spoke to me and, and continues to use that story uh, to cause me to move more and more to be a person that moves deeper into the lives of people. Uh, one of the issues, and this is back in the, in the late uh, 90s, and I had, uh, uh, was pastoring, was a pastor at that time uh, on Vancouver Island, Victoria, and I went over, and this was the, uh, it was a specialty anxiety uh, Department at the University of British Columbia. They were real recognized to provide kind of behavioral treatment. Again, nothing Christian about them. They just thought OCD, it's a cold. We're going to help you overcome it. It has nothing to do with your emotions or spiritually. Uh, nonetheless, but God used that experience as part of my healing and part of my therapy. But there was a story in there that God really, really used and continues to use to this day. Yeah, and I might choke up, so my apologies for that. Uh, well, I don't need to apologize. It's okay. Your eyes just kind of get leaky. That's okay. So the, one of the issues that I struggled with at that time was, and, and these things are weird. Sometimes you just don't understand why these things happen. And uh, trust me, I've been through it all uh, in, in the sense of healing and therapy and continue to move in that direction because uh, it's a journey. It's an ongoing journey. It never, never stops. Uh, one of the issues was I was just afraid of blood. And the irony of all this is I was actually, uh, earlier, going, I did a pre-med program and I was going to be a doctor. And so I was just, a, 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 just a, afraid of blood, but I was also, and, and, I'm, and I'm just saying this is, this is reality, or was reality. It's n- n- not to the degree that it used to be. It still kind of you know, lingers every once in a while, is that I used to just be afraid of blood, but especially blood from gay people. Now, I'm just... I'm just saying that I had no issue with gay people. I have no issues with gays. Uh, I love them. Uh, it, it was just an issue. I, it was just stuff going through my head. Sometimes you just don't understand what happens up there, and uh, it is what it is. And so one of, the, uh, one of the things that they wanted me to do, or even to come close to anyone like that, I remember once uh, we were in a, in a, in a town kind of uh, 
party scene. I mean, I wasn't involved with the party, but it was downtown. There was a big party going on. Uh, it was a summer night, summer festival in Kelowna, British Columbia. And, and, and I bumped up my shoulder against a prostitute. Uh, it was very clear. It was, she was a prostitute. Bumped my shoulder, uh, and I was just overwhelmed with fear. I had to go back and shower and shower and shower because I thought I was contaminated because I just bumped into a prostitute. Uh, anyways, so back to this uh, story real quickly uh, is this, that what they wanted me to do is they invited, uh, I was working with you know, a therapist who is uh, one of the key people in this clinic, and she knows, she says, I've got a good friend, his name is Adam, and he's gay. And he is willing to come into your life and help you in your healing. Even though, and somehow the word got out, you know, this is a Christian, uh, this guy's a pastor, and all of his friends in his community said, don't do it. Don't do it. Christians are jerks. They're asinine. I mean, all of these words were used. But Adam decided to come, and he was a Ph.D. student and part of the program. And he came, and it was, it was weird. I mean, you think some of this stuff is weird. This was weird. We were sitting in a circle, my therapist, me, Adam, and Gloria. And the therapist asked Adam, says, open up a bag of chips. I just told you how weird I was back then. He says, open a bag of chips. Adam put his hand in the bag of chips and just chewed on the chips. And then he said, here. And it was like God was saying, through this guy named Adam, and I don't think there was any irony, because Adam is the first human, Jesus is the second Adam, coming to restore humanity, and Adam means human. And I think God was using this gay guy who willingly came into my world and was willing to, as stupid and as ridiculous as that sound, put his hands in a bag of chips and say, Alan, partake with me. And so I had to go in there and take that same bag of chips and start eating. Now, some of you think that that's, that's not an issue. There's no problem. But that was the struggle that I was working through. And Jesus used that story and continues to use that story in my life. And it's kind of like the, sep- uh, the, um, uh, you know, the, the, the story of the leper. And, and by saying that, I'm not making any association with a gay person having leprosy. But in my mind... Biologically, physiologically, that was the issue. And in that moment, and I, and I ate the chips, you know, uh, but afterwards I went up to Adam and I gave him a big hug. And Gloria did too. It, it was a pretty powerful, holy moment that uh, you can only understand and appreciate by being there and walking in that reality. But God, from this day, from that day forth, has continued to impress upon me, Alan, as we reach out to people, you got to get dirty. You got to get filthy. You got to get into the lives of people and immerse yourself as a fishing net. Don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. Do it with other believers and immerse yourself and see the kingdom of God at work in ways that will just surpass your greatest dreams, your greatest imaginations. And so we as a church want to be a church that looks into the ministry of Jesus but also recognizes that our part is to participate and to imitate. And through the analogy of fishing and being a net, immerse yourself. Don't be afraid of those scary, dark, deep waters in the lives of people. 
But first, be sure that you're experiencing some mending, some healing, some restoration. And then we can move forward. Let's stand.